I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And thousands and thousands of people, as people were singing that song, would come to the altar to accept Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior for the very first time. You guys remember that? Well, the history of that song is truly amazing. And a lot of people don't know what the history of that song is, but it was actually there was a man, uh, a psalm in India. Him and his family accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And the chief of the village had come in there and he said this, he said, he said, listen, he said, denounce Jesus. And a psalm wouldn't denounce him. He said, I have decided to follow Jesus. And as soon as he said that, they killed his two children. Then once they killed the two children, he said, Though none go with me, still I will follow. They said, we're now killing your wife, and they killed his wife. They wanted him to denounce, and then he said this, he said, no turning back, no turning back. Then he was singing this while he was being executed, the cross before me, the world behind me. That's where the history of that song came from. You can look it up, it's, it's there, it's online for anybody to see. But that song, what it did is later on, it, it, it brought that, pre, or that chief so much conviction, he gave his life to Christ. So did most of that village, and the villages around them start giving their life to Christ, because one man decided to follow Jesus. Well, today, if you make that decision and say, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. You are that one man in your world. And it's time that we become that one man, that believer. It's time that the church stand up. And that great display of faith, oh my, my goodness, my question is this for you. What does that mean to you to follow Jesus? What does it mean? How serious are you about this? You know, everyone has an opinion about what it means to follow Jesus, but Jesus actually addressed the subject. And he addressed it in the book of Mark, chapter 8 and verse 27. It starts off, it says, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. So Jesus was bringing them to a town, Caesarea Philippi, into this region that was worldly, ungodly, unholy, uh, where, they, where they had great pagan worship going on. So he brought them to a place that showed them everything the world had to offer. Then on the way he asked them, who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. And in those days, a lot of people believed in reincarnation. John the Baptist had just died, and so they had all these thoughts and they had these things about, uh, you know, this could be a re reincarnated prophet. It's a, then he says, what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? And I love this. It was Peter. Peter answered, you are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. 
You know, technically, Peter gave the right answer. Technically, but he, he really didn't understand the answer that he gave. And the reason why I know that is because, well, first of all, the Messiah that he was looking for was a worldly Messiah, an a, a, a earthly king to come and set up his throne right then and there so they can all be with him and to overthrow the, whatever government, and at the time it was the Roman Empire, it was to overthrow that government, and that's what he understood about the Messiah. But Jesus explains himself. He goes on to say, he then began to teach them that the Son of God must suffer many things and be rejected, uh, by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed? And after three days, rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And now think about this. The guy who just received the revelation of who Jesus was took Jesus aside, and it depends on how you study this out, because if you actually study it out in the Greek, he manhandled Jesus. He just didn't say, hey, buddy, come on over here. Let me, let, me, let me talk to you. No, he grabbed him physically. He took him aside and rebuked him. Now think about this. You just had the revelation that you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. You're the King of kings and Lord of lords. You just had this great revelation of who Jesus is, how powerful Jesus is, and, and all of a sudden you're, you're manhandling the... Jesus? Man, that's crazy. He goes on to say, but when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now, he didn't have like a pitchfork and little tail and horns and stuff. He said, get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. So all Peter was concerned about was himself. He didn't have the things of God in mind. He had the things of men himself. That's all he had in mind. He was self-centered. So let me ask you again, what is your idea of following Jesus? Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me. So he got everybody together and he said this. He said, if you're going to be my follower now I'm going to tell you what it means to be my follower. So he addresses the question. He, says if, he said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So in order to be a Christ follower, you have to dis- deny yourself, your ambitions, the things that you want to do, and you have to do exactly what he has called you to do in your life. You might say, well, you know, I want to be a, I want to be a police officer. Well, if he didn't call you to be one, don't be one. Well, I want to do this. Why? Because a lot of times we take a look at things and we're we're, we're glorifying something, and and, and so we just want to be that because we want all this glory. But I guarantee you, if you do exactly what he's called you to do, you won't wear out, you won't burn out, you won't fade away, you'll be excited. Amen? So to take up the cross and follow Jesus means die to your ways, to the things that you want to do, and live to the things that he wants you to do. He says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. And you know, at the end of the day, this is the deal. You're going to lose your life anyway. Right? So if at the end of the day, why don't you just go ahead and try to find it 
and follow Him. See, when you find it and you follow Him, you just go from life to life. I mean, you are so... I'm beyond words when it comes to this because, you know, I could be in a career right now and I was in a really good career making a whole lot of money and not having to worry about or think about anybody else besides stuff. Just moving a train from here to here. Train stops at a red light. It moves at a green and a yellow and a flashing yellow. Stop it and proceed at a flashing. That's easy stuff. And they pay you a whole lot of money to do that. They just go like this. And, and I don't have to think about and worry about people, uh, their eternal salvation at that point. I don't, but now I decide to take a whole lot less money, put on a whole lot of responsibility, but I'm so much more happy. Because I'm doing exactly what God has created me to do. See, it's not about stuff. It's not about putting yourself into a, a right position. It's about putting yourself, your, actually, it's about putting your heart in a right position. Not about putting your body somewhere. Your heart will guide you as long as you're following Jesus. He said, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet for, uh, forfeit his soul? So now this is a real wake-up call right here because he, he said, what good is it for you to make all these decisions, right? And the decisions that you make aren't going to do you any good for your eternity. What if you can make a decision that would do good for you for your eternity? Would you do something about it? He said, because this is how he answered that. He said, or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Sure, if, if you could do something about it and you knew it would affect your eternity, you would make that right decision, wouldn't you? I mean, there's nothing you wouldn't do, correct? Okay. He closes with this. And this is what it means to be a follower. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Now that's a tough saying. And trust me, I like happy, happy, joy, joy. You know, I like that. But sometimes the Bible says some things that are kind of tough. And so to be a follower of Christ is not to be ashamed of the gospel. And it's time as a church we quit being ashamed. You know, because a lot of times people don't even know we're Christians. We might tell them we go to church, but that doesn't make you a Christian. You can, you can sleep in your garage and you're not a car. So the thing of it is, is our lifestyle, how we treat people, shows who we are. I have decided to follow Jesus. Now, all of us are at different stages, and that's cool. The book of Luke, Jesus answered it this way. He said, then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross, what, daily, and follow me. Daily shows me that this is a process. It's something that, it's a process of things that go on where I go from glory to glory. I go from faith to faith. I go from level to level. And if you take serious following God, the Bible says that anyone who loses their life surely find life. And today, I submit to you, if you lose your life, and if you decide to follow Jesus, and you decide to walk after him, today you will find your life. Amen? Everybody say this, I have decided to follow Jesus. Okay, there's five levels to this. 
The first level in following Jesus is the crowd. The crowd, come and see. That's the very first level. He got them all together. And what, what we have to do is, 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 today people have come together as a crowd. Come and see. You invite people to church. Come and see. The first thing he told the disciples, come and see. As a matter of fact, when, when Peter came to see, he got a boat filled with fish. He didn't say, just serve me. He said, come and see. Matter of fact, the Bible says, come and see that the Lord is good. Amen? So that's the first message that it it is, is come and see. And that's what we want to do, is we want people to come and see, be a part of. Number two, the second level is this, is congregation. The congregation, come and join us. If you're brand new here, just hang out for a while. See if, you know, see if this is the place that you should, you should be at or not be at. You know, just te- check it out. But if you've been here for a while, a great way to, to continue on is hook up with one of the small groups that we're going to be starting again, restarting in February. And hook up in a small group. Get to know people, you know. Come and join. Be a part. Or if you've been here for, for a longer period of time, start a small group. Don't just go to one. Start one. I mean, Green County is a big county. It'd be nice if we had small groups everywhere in the county so people can just go, hey, well, you know what? I don't have to go 25 minutes to church. I can just go two minutes down the road to this person's house over here, and we can fellowship. We can read the Word together. We can pray. We can get to know one another. Amen? So that's the second one. The third level is committed. It means Come and grow. And now, this is really where small groups actually are the most important because you grow in small groups. You don't grow as much on a Sunday morning service as you do in a small group. And the reason why you grow more in a small group is because it's interactive. You can ask questions. You can, you can, you can be a part of. As a matter of fact, the church that I know of um, years ago, when I went to go visit them, uh, I noticed that they didn't, you know, and I knew that they believed in the gifts of the Spirit and things like that, but I, I didn't see it operating in their church. And, and so I was like, well, you know, this is kind of funny, you know, to be in a church that actually believes in the gifts of the Spirit and they're not operating. And this is what I learned from them is what they do is in their life groups, that's when they teach them about who the Holy Spirit is. And in their life groups, they had, they had that year, they had 4,000 people baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because what they did is they started off by come and see. Then after people came to see, they came to the congregation and they started getting involved in the small groups and finding out if they believed that way or if they didn't believe that way. See, they didn't have to do it in an open setting. And they didn't have to do it to where some people get weirded out because I'm telling you what, God is not weird. When people were speaking in tongues back in the day, it wasn't weird. Now, some people thought it was weird, but this is what you have to think. Is, is one guy was, say he was going, blah, 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 whatever he was saying. Now, I don't know. 
But this person heard him in Japanese, this person heard him in Korean, this person heard him in Russian. This, You know what I'm saying? I mean, one person, so it was the miracle. It wasn't that, oh yeah, well they had tongues. Of, this person was talking tongues of men, not tongues of angels, because Paul said there's tongues of men and tongues of angels. He was talking tongues of men, and they were talking tongues of men, but each person, this is the miracle, heard whatever they were saying in their own language. In other words, God's not weird. We are. So come and grow. So make this your year. Say, this is going to be the year that I'm going to get closer to God. I'm going to connect with God in a better way than I've ever connected with God before. And I guarantee you, this will be the best year of your life if you decide to do that. The next level of following is this. Core, come and serve. Now, this is where you realize that it's not all about you. This is where you realize it's about other people. This is where you understand that if you're a greeter at the door or something like that, that is not an insignificant position. That is a great position because you don't know who's coming through those doors. You don't know what they've gone through that night. You don't know what they've gone through that week. You don't know what child is in children's church whose mom and dad might be going through a divorce or who, who's been beat or any. You don't know who you're ministering to. So now you find out it's not all about you. We need to get on the dream team. Get on God's team. It's vital for the success of the mission that we are called to do as a church and believers. So come, I'm inviting everybody, come and be a part of our team. The last level is this. Commissioned. Come and die. Boy, that sounds cool, doesn't it? Dude, let's all come and die. No, I'm not telling you to go out to Guyana and drink the Kool-Aid. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is give your life completely to God, and being a follower of Jesus is more than coming to church and being a Sunday Christian. It's more than that. It's a daily thing. It's at home. It's at work. It's at school. It's right here in your community. Come and follow. Die to yourself. Use every opportunity as an opportunity to do what life is all about, and that's guiding people to their eternal purpose. So every opportunity that God has given you to be able to talk to people, to be in their lives, use that opportunity to help guide them. And if you do that, the Bible says this, God is not mocked whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. Okay? That's a principle that's given in the word of God, and if you use that principle, people will come into your life, and God will send them your way, to help you along the way. <clears throat> you ever pray for people to come across people's paths and, 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 and talk to them, some of your family members that you're not able to talk to, and you say, God, you know, please let somebody come across their path and talk to them, blah, blah, blah. Have you ever prayed that? Yeah. Well, you know, God puts you across people's paths because somebody prayed that about you. And God said, Karen, go. Don't be that bag lady that Misty picked up. On the way to church, little joke, but go, talk to this person right here. I mean, I don't know how many times I've used this story, but to me, it was like one of the greatest stories in the world, is my friend Kelby Wyatt and I, um, 
we met at Applebee's uh, one time, and, and we were talking and just sharing the Word of God, and he's, he's out of Florida, and, um, and we were in Whitfield, Virginia. And as we were talking, we, I mean, we had, our glasses were, I mean, just full of, like, ice, melted ice, and this lady was just not filling our glasses up, and uh, it, nothing, never came back, and uh, didn't speak to us. I mean, you, you talk about horrible service. This was the worst service I've ever had in my life. Okay? So, we're getting ready to go, and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, give her a $20 tip. The bill was 38 So I reach into my pocket, and at the same time I'm reaching to mine, Kelby's reaching to his, we both pull out $20, and he looks at me, and I look at him. He smiles, I smile. He said, can I do it? I said, yeah. So he grabs both 20s. The lady comes back. He puts it in her hands. He said, honey, he said, I want you to know that the Lord loves you. She was started to cry. She started telling us that her baby daddy, because that's what she said, had left that day. She had no money for diapers. <clears throat> no formula, no, you know, she was distraught. You never know the opportunity that you're going to have. So just because somebody is being an absolute idiot in your mind, don't judge them, pray for them and bless them. See, those that do evil to us, those who talk about us back, the Bible tells us to bless those. To pray for those. To lift those up. That's what the Bible says. That's how they're going to know who we are. But if we act just like them, they're not going to know the difference between who a believer is and who a non-believer is. So let's quit judging. Let's use every opportunity that we have because my life is not about me. My life is all about Jesus. It's time that we make a decision. No turning back. We need to be committed, totally committed. And what we need to do is we need to go from consumer to contributor. We need to go from Savior to Lord. We need to go from Savior, what God did for us, to Lord, what we can do for God. See, he might be your savior where he's done all these things for you. But he's not your Lord if you're doing nothing for him. That's Lord and Savior. In 2017, we had 520 decisions made for Christ. 520 decisions in 2017 from this little bitty old church. That's remarkable. That's awesome. I have decided to follow Jesus. When somebody makes a decision for Christ, that's the very first step. Everybody say first step. Okay. Well, then there's another step. In Acts 2, 41, it says, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The Bible basically tells us, if we keep reading through it and we, we read the story, that, that when people are born again, when they accept Christ, that, the, that they're urged to be baptized. 
And, you know, churches aren't urging people to baptize for whatever reason anymore, and I, I don't get it. I mean, that's something that Jesus asked us to do. And, you know, some people, they've been baptized in different, uh, at different stages. Some people have been baptized in different reasons. Some have been baptized because they were a baby, and so they baptized him as a baby. Some people are baptized because they're pressured into it. Everybody else is doing it, so I'm doing it. And then other people make a decision. They have decided because of what Jesus did and the price Jesus paid at Calvary, they've decided to get baptized. That's the baptism of the New Testament, and that is what I'm talking about, about baptism. So as soon as you make one decision, there's another decision. And if baptism is your next step, because this is basically what I want to close in, because we're taking it step by step by step on what I've decided. So if baptism is your next step, and you want to be baptized, because you were either pressured or because whatever, you haven't been baptized, then there's going to be a sheet of paper out in the foyer I want you to sign. And you know what? Even if we have a baptismal service here and you want to be a part of that, great. But if you can't come to that, I'll tell you, we'll, we will go to where you're at. But I want you to do it because you have decided and you made a decision. So I'm going to give you three reasons to be baptized. Number one, to follow the example set by Christ. You realize that Jesus was baptized, right? And you know that baptism represents sin being washed away, correct? What sin did Jesus ever commit? Jesus never committed a sin, but yet he was baptized. So what that tells me is baptism is extremely important to Jesus. He told us to do it. He set the example. The Bible says this in uh, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Follow my example, this is the Apostle Paul talking, as I follow the example of Christ. So the closer that we get to Christ, the more of the example that we're going to follow of him. 1 John 2.24 in the Living Bible, it says, Someone may say, I am a Christian. I am on my way to heaven. I belong to Christ. But if he doesn't do what Christ tells him to, he's a liar. So he has asked us, he has told us, make disciples out of all, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He said to go preach the gospel to every living creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. So baptism is huge with Jesus. The next reason to get baptized is to demonstrate my changed life. In 1 Peter 3.21 in the Living Bible, it says, In baptism we show. What do we show? That we have been saved from death and doom by the resurrection of Christ. So water doesn't save you. We're showing that the resurrected Jesus saved us through his death, burial, resurrection. That's what we're showing by accepting the price that Jesus paid. And the third and last reason why we get baptized is this. To declare my commitment publicly. Now, that right there is something to think about because the degree that Jesus has committed to us is the same degree that he wants us to commit to him. But see, he went up on a cross publicly, and he just asked that we go into water publicly. Let's see, water, cross. I'll take the water. Amen? Come on now, this is pretty good. So he wants to let everyone know that we belong to him. Matthew 10, 32 and 33, it says, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. 
But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. 